Welcome to Bjerg Club. Wait, we have a podcast? <laughs> Since when? It has been a long time. Sorry the last... Welcome back, everybody. Sorry the last few episodes have been a bit sporadic. Life has, life has hit thin <laughs> like a truck and it shows. <laughs> My body feels <laughs> the impact. I, well, we've been busy. And, uh... Booked and blast. Yeah. Working hard. Or hardly working. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah. We've listened to, to Volnikara. Oh, we, we diving straight in. Okay. So it's... But well, also, today is the 30th anniversary of human behaviour. The day of recording. If people... If this doesn't come out for, like, two months, people are going to be like, wait, this was recorded in... X no, because sometimes do you ever listen to podcasts and it was actually recorded like a year ago? No, that happens a lot. I think a lot of podcasters um, bulk record. N- not us. Not us. Well, no. To be fair, but then I don't think I could keep my thoughts on like ten albums in my head at one time. No. Well, we have. You've got a new um, studio as well. Yeah, true. We've actually changed studios. We're recording this in our new location. Um, we're actually at the BBC studios. They gave us a room. Yeah. Um. So that. For sorry, free. guys. We're we're now produced by BBC. Big reveal. It's very exciting. Um. So you can find us no, on BBC. The BBC if, sounds what up. If the BBC actually sue us. Maybe say... I should fucking cut this. <laughs> should we put? If like, we get sued BBC... by BBC, I feel like it would be like the Barbara Streisand effect, where they would like bring more attention to our, our podcast. What happened with Barbara Streisand? There was a thing where, like, a, it, like it's called the Streisand effect, where you try and, like, hide something, but in doing so, you inadvertently bring attention to something that, like, wouldn't have been known about anyway. It was a photographer took a... I, and I'm paraphrasing. I, this might not be 100% accurate. Okay. Someone took a photo of her house, or of the coast, and her house is on there. It was for, like, a geological study to show the movement of the coastline. Oh. And she filed, like, a lawsuit to get them to not use the photo. Because she's like, this is my house. And in doing so, that became news. And then everyone ended up seeing the photo of her house. That's crazy. Yes, it's the Streisand effect. That's really... So anyway, if BBC sue us, I think it's a win. Is that where the song Duck Sauce came from? Is it Duck Sauce, the Barbara Streisand song? I don't think so. And they were like, if we make it all about Barbara Streisand, then it will have the Streisand effect and people will listen to it. Maybe. Monokura. Monokura. What does what does that mean, word mean? I know what it means, but can you tell me anyway? Do you know what it means? Yeah. What does it mean? Volness um, comes from Latin, and it means, I think, wound. Mm-hmm. And then cura is also Latin, and it means cure. So it means, like, cure of her wounds. Is that right? Someone's been Googling. Someone read Wikipedia. <laughs> I was, like, actually kind of curious about... So this is Bjork's eighth album, and I would say it's, like quite specific subject matter oh oh yeah i would say this is the most sort of cohesive focused album she's released since at least vespertine yeah but basically she was originally gonna continue so we had biophilia and she had this whole sort of app technology (laughs) focus that not the app album um and she was intending to continue with that and sort of using tech apps to sort of like produce music but I feel like life got, life got in the way. And um, the sort of main focus of the album is she broke up with her partner. 
A long, long time partner. Yeah, and they had... 12 years? Yeah. So he was called Matthew Barney. Well, well, he still is called Matthew Barney. He's still alive. And he was... Well, he is a sort of visual artist. They've worked together on, like, a film. They've actually done quite a lot together. And they also had a child. I sort of purposely... Oh, and a child. (laughs) And, and the afterthought. (laughs) And, um... I purposely didn't really look into him that much because... I know... All, all I know about him is that he's an artist and he went out with Bjork. Yeah, because the album's from her perspective and I feel like if I sort of... Listen to women. Read into sort of tabloid gossip about their I, relationship, I then like it would... I like to listen to women and I like women's stories. Women's stories matter. Wow, thank you. Imagine how tired we are of it. <laughs> so, I feel so supported. <laughs> thank you for putting that out there. Do you know the interesting thing about this album? She didn't release any singles. Has she done that before? No. That's, that's there were so no strange. singles. And there was a VR not exhibit a, Not with a single it. one? No, not a single single. And the sort of booklet that comes with the album sort of details the length of time before or after the breakup she wrote the song. What year did this album come out? It was 2015. Oh, 2015. Right. When did they break up? Very cup with your girlfriend. Twenty fourteen, I want to say. Oh, so some oh, of the songs, so some long. of the songs come were written a while, a long while after. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I suppose if you have like a breakup after twelve years, you know. And then some songs aren't even about the breakup. Now hold on, <laughs> let me consult my notes. Cause she of the um. Wait, I can't. Of the nine songs, seven are. I can only see one, which I don't think is in some way about the break. Well, like, actually, I think all of them are about the breakup, but I can only see one that could maybe not be at a push, but there, I think they all are. There are definitely two that she have said have different sort of origins. Oh, I'm interested to see what you This is a, a very long album. It's 58 minutes long or something. Yeah, and it's got her longest ever song on it. Yeah. Like 10 minutes however so it's her longest album in terms of runtime of any we've covered so far but it also has the least tracks i think every other album we've had we've covered so far has had at least 10 songs mm. this only has nine so what that I tells you <laughs> okay i'm not not gonna address that all of these songs are quite long they're yeah. quite long songs well, should we talk about how we felt about the album normally we do that first i actually Really liked it. I think it's her best since Volta. I, I think, agree. other than Volta, her strongest since Vespertine. So I would say that this is probably her one of her best albums. I like it a lot. Yeah, I I really liked it, and I thought it was a return to form for her. I would agree. Biophilia was not bad, but I think this album, in a lot of ways, it's sort of more simplistic than biophilia but i think that works to its advantage i think it's more simplistic than a lot of her albums but i also think it has some of her like best lyricism and some of her most raw lyrics yeah i thought it was quite interesting how she interpreted quite a common album theme for most artists sort of Mm. the the concept of a breakup breakup album this is her um sour by olivia rodrigo I don't know. I I get what you're saying. I think. I feel like that, we that... always use Olivia Rodrigo as like a joke. Do we? Well, <laughs> we have before. Should we get started then? And, and okay. Do the Should songs? we start with 
pack number one. Stone Milker. Yeah. So good. This I is such a gorgeous song. song. Yeah. Like, starting off with one of the high points on the album. Like, the song starts, I'll, I'll play the opening, it's just immediately these gorgeous strings that are just delectable, delicious. It's very homogenic. It is. It's her first time she's used strings since homogenic. Really? Yeah. She should use them more because. Gee. And it's this beautiful. album has a string only version called really? Bolicara Strings. I'll have to give that a listen. I'm just gonna. Can I play the opening? Because I love yeah. the opening. Where the mic is. It's just immediately cut, cut me to my core. Yeah, I really liked it. And this was written... It's, I'm just kind of a tearjerker at NGL. This was written nine months before the breakup. I can see that. I feel like the album is... It's chronological. It, you it start, is, yes. You start off... You're in the relationship... Well, she's in the relationship, but the relationship is falling apart. Then you get to, like... Well, as we'll go through, we can sort of chronicle mm. the phases. But uh, yeah, it tells it's a, a story. Like, you know, it's like Igor. That's a good breakup. Or album. Lemonade, the non-breakup breakup. Or oh, Lemonade. Album. Yeah, Lemonade is they a breakup album, but they up. get back together. <laughs> well, they never really broke up. It's more like she tells him off and then forgets yeah, him. Yeah. Well, they start off sort of there's a lot of things unspoken, and then she speaks to them, and then yeah. they have a rip, and then they mend the fence. But yeah. Bjork didn't mend the fence. She fucking bulldozed the fence. <laughs> she, some of the things she said, she was, like, angry. What yeah. What did you think this song was about? I said, I think this song is sort of her in a state that we haven't really seen her in for a while, where she sort of came across as, like, distressed or disoriented. Like, she's just... It, it feels like she's in a... Pre- 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 it feels like she's in a... Pre- 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 <laughs> I was like she's in a precarious position. She sort of doesn't have much stability. Like she says, moments of clarity are so rare. Um, the lyrics are often very literal. Um, like she literally says, like, show me emotional respect. I have emotional needs. It's just sort of like, this. it sounds like a woman who's very unfulfilled. Yeah. And just unappreciated. And she's just crying out. I think she's sort of yearning for like honesty as well from her partner. Mm. And like... Trying to get emotions out of him. Yeah. Because he's a bit... It's like getting milk out it? of a stone. It's like getting milk out of a stone. Yeah. Wow. I thought I thought it was quite a simple, I think, song, lyrically, but still I like very the, enjoyable. I thought the lyrics, like, for a song like this, I think I like that she kind of just broke it down into, like, just literally saying exactly how she was feeling and not, like... The narwhal treads across the moon. And like, just talking like, you know, in her normal Björkish way, no. which I love as well. Yeah. But I also think it gave this song such a harder impact yeah. because it was so raw. Yeah. She did say that it was like, the whole album, her lyrics are much more simple and sort of teenager-ish. But it's almost like something like you write in a teenager's diary. <laughs> I really liked, on the song Good For You, I thought she really, and when... After oh, Stone Milker, when she did Driver's License, drives, yeah. I thought yeah. Björk Rodrigo did really well. <laughs> Björk Rodrigo. Good for you. So Stone Milker was listed on Pitchfork's 200 Best Songs of the 210s, but which place do you think it came? 
Oh, oh my god. Are we introducing a quiz a quiz, quiz segment? Element. Okay. We'll Wait, get a so jingle. They... Should we get a jingle for this part? Yeah. We'll insert the jingle here. <laughs> quiz time. So they I'll, I'll ranked it tonight. to the top 200 songs of the 2010s. And pitch what we guess. Number one. No. Okay, <laughs> can, I guess, actually, can I guess again? Can I guess um, again? actually Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> Did she release something in the 2010s? I don't know. Probably High school musical. Child thing. <laughs> her, her like childhood jazz album okay I think the they placed 194 no oh it's the same numbers but different 491 <laughs> no 149 oh um I guess you know a lot of music did come out in that decade was it like was Justin Bieber's baby on the list or did that come out in was I didn't Beauty and a Beat by Justin Bieber and featuring Nicki Minaj. Did that come Minaj. out in the 2010s? Must have done. Probably I, like, I think it was probably 2010. To be honest, I didn't look at the rest of the list. Yeah, they go like, we gonna party like it's 30, 12 tonight. And that lyric would only make sense if it was 2012. <laughs> it's like, you know, it I'm so 2008, you're so 2008. <laughs> by Fergie. Um, I'm so 2008. You got, You're so 2008. You got weirdly close, so... Yeah. Congratulations. We'll, we'll put the Thank jingle you. back I'll, in again. I'll introduce a quiz. What's next? Lion Song. I... The vocals at the start were giving Medulla... Medulla! Medulla down. The I way that she was it's sort of the, the horse vocals and they're layered over each other. Like, sort of like that. Yeah. Um... I like the lyrics. I thought they were like brutally honest. Uh, to me, this song gave me. Well, what did it give you? Because I went first for the last one. Like, what? Do like, you what think... do I think it's about? Well, yeah. What do you think it's about? What was it trying to convey? I think it was how. What she... point in the end of the relationship is this? It's five months before the breakup. No, but not okay. That's what she put as a No, I know, but okay, so maybe you shouldn't go first because you know the actual timeline. Well, I think what she's speaking about is her her partner's being like tempestuous and like acting out and she's sort of maturing yeah to me they're sort of drifting apart i agree i something she keeps repeating in this song is she says um she goes like will he come out of this love maybe he'll come out of this loving me maybe he won't um at this point i don't care i just like to know yeah. And it's so it's sort of to me it's like he's been so emotionally unavailable and hot and cold that she's just become despondent. She's just apathetic. Yeah. She's just like She she says at one point she's not too bothered. Yeah. She's just like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I really don't care. That's that right. was good though. That was good. Um Yeah, I Oh I have more, but you go. Oh. I was just gonna say I like this song. I prefer Stone Milker. I also prefer Stone Milker, but I don't think it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. No. It's so... I thought it was really raw. I thought that, you know, the title, and in the lyrics she says, I'm not trying to tame a lion here. Yeah. She's sort of like, the degree to which she can't connect with him is so extreme. It's like, he's a beast. Wow. <laughs> he's not... He is no longer man. You've really... He has become beast. You've really zoned into the imagery there of lion. Yeah. <laughs> This lion song. I do really love the lyrics. She says, Vietnam vet comes after the war, lands in my house. This wild lion doesn't fit in this chair. Yeah. Like, he's. I he's don't no know. longer man. He's he like traumatized beast. or something. 
Actually, Lions looks pretty good. It is. It's one of the better ones of the album. But I think the next one I prefer even more. I love Track the next three, one. History of Touches. Yeah. This one's is this the shortest on the album? It's either the shortest or the second no, shortest. No, the shortest is the last one. But it's these these two are the short ones. Yeah, these are like three minutes. Um so History of Touches. Uh tell us a bit about it. Well I, I, you went first the you last go time. First. First of all, the production on this one is insanely it's, good. It's like ethereal. Most of this album was produced by Arca, who's yeah. a Venezuelan musician, and she, her and Björk fucking slayed this album. This album, it is ethereal. It's so like, it's I feel like, like I'm in a like. cave that is pulsating. Yeah. It gave me video game as well. Sci-fi. Mm, yeah. 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 So it does yeah. sort of sound like a... Yeah. He's just in a silly, goofy mood today. Like, <laughs> it does. It does sound sort of like a arcade game. Yeah. No. Like Space I don't hear Invaders that. or Tetris no. or something. Okay. I don't think it does. It doesn't sound eight bit. No. It sounds like the opposite of eight bit. What do you What do you think the song? Um. So I think this song is about. She says it's like she wakes. She wakes up in the middle of the night and like touches him, and it's like she's feeling every time that they have ever had like a moment of intimacy all in one moment and then she also sort of has the realization that this is the last time yeah so it's really sad but it's also yeah. i don't know it's just a, it's like a slow thing i thought it was yeah sort of like what you said it's a goodbye to their intimacy and it's sort of a her acknowledging the end of the relationship. I, but it's also quite nostalgic as well. It is. It's like, she, it sort of captures so many different feelings in three minutes. And obviously, like, this whole situation that she experienced, there's probably a lot of nuance. And I feel like she did a, like, none of these songs feel black and white. They all feel sort of muddy. It's not like good for you, like happy and healthy, like a damn sociopath or whatever. It's more like, Every single fuck. <laughs> Is this the first time she's sworn? No. She doesn't swear that much. No, she swears on like the first album, doesn't she? Does she? She definitely swears on Homogenic because she goes, I'm not a fucking Buddhist. Oh, yeah. No, she does, yeah. Um, also, like, okay, even if she didn't swear on Cocoon necessarily, it's still very graphic. Or all neon-like. Yeah. The ceiling song. Um... <laughs> I, I really liked as well how there's very little build in this song and it's it's just sort of a quiet climax and the song ends. It's almost like lo-fi. It is lo-fi. It's very headphones-esque. Is that all we have to say about History Touches? Oh, okay. I would say I really like this song and I think it's one of my favourite ones that she's done in some time. Oh, of like her whole discography. Yeah. This is like one of the best songs she's done I, it, as of 2015, I would say one of the best songs for the for the last, like, at least 10 years. Wow. It's better than anything on Medulla. It's better than anything on... Wait, actually, wait, what am I saying? But I don't you even love know if I... Volta. 
I love Volta as a whole, but I think Volta is more than the sum of its parts. Okay. I think there's no one standout. I think it's a lot of juvenile? it's a lot of eight out of tens. Okay. Whereas some of her other albums are more mixed, like the higher the higher, but the lows the lower. Okay. Like yeah. Vespertine. Vespertine has like I would say three songs on Vespertine would be in my top five all time Bjork songs. Yeah. But that said, there's also a lot on there that I'm not asked about mm. at all. Like there's only three or four songs I regularly listen to. Okay. Mm. Uh, play the clip. Play the clip. Play the clip. Play the Have you seen the film? Um, so, uh, um, don't start. Have you like seen the, the film? Ending, which the end, the song ends says, "All with us here as I wake you up," and then that's it. That's like, uh, to me, that symbolizes, especially as w- with where the next song takes us. I feel like the end of History of Touches symbolizes the end of the relationship. It is. It was. It was written three months before, and the next one was written after. Well, so. the next one. Should we, should we talk about the next one? I was just going to say that, have you seen the film uh, Blade Runner 2049? Yeah. It sounds like the score. Okay, I think Black Lake is very sad and it's full of pathos. What did you think about it? Yeah, I feel like it's just grief. It's just like She's grieving, raw yeah. grief for the end of the relationship. And then I think that kind of holds over for the like at least the next song. Yeah. It's just like... It's a fucking ten minute, I would call it an epic. Yeah, it's quite epic. And it's sort of these strings and then it turns into this slow dance beat. And if it, it feels almost like a callback to her earlier stuff with the dance beats. I think this song, it sort of fully reveals just the, the vastness, like the sheer scale of Bjork's pain. Like through, you know, obviously the, the length of the song, the sorrowful, devastating lyrics. And also, there's like these beautiful strings that sound very sombre yeah. that sort of tie it all together. Yeah. And it, it all really works for me. Do you feel that perhaps it might be slightly too long? No. You when I listen to it, it, feel, it feels it's... like the, the time flies by. It does not drag for me. There is like one or two songs on this album that drag for me, and this isn't one of them. I, I would agree. I think the, the length of time is fine for this one, but some of the others I think it's slightly too long. Yeah, I would agree. I think, yeah, there's a lot of long songs as well. Also, when you get to like the fifth or sixth eight minute long song, it starts to be like, here we go again. <laughs> she does this wail like seven minutes in and it's such a good part of the song. I think you're going to have to find it. It's like seven minutes. I'll just keep talking now. <laughs> Hang on, let me find it. Uh, can I read some lyrics that I like? I, I wrote no. down a few that I like. There's a couple excerpts. Um... That, and I feel like these lyrics are just absolutely, I, like, I haven't recovered. She says, our love was my womb, but our bond has been broken. She says, family was our sacred mutual mission, which you abandoned. 
based on that. You said that. It's such a dramatic reading. <laughs> I'll I'll play it. Uh, so. It's a good song. I don't think it's one of my favourites just for the fact that it's so long. Like it it's less of a song long. and more of it's more of a journey. It's an experience. Do you know Bjork said that she's actually really embarrassed about this song? Black Lake, why? Because not because it's musically bad. I think because she basically just wrote down all her feelings. Because it's so personal. On page. Yeah, and it's almost too personal. I think that's me and Tia were talking about this yesterday about how artists like Phoebe Bridges will like go like write songs about like the most like personal like painful moments of their yeah. lives and then like thousands of people around the world like scream that stuff back at them and know about it and know about like their well, innermost yeah. fucking like darkest thoughts didn't she say that Phoebe Bridges was in an airport and it was like her father her father had passed away and a fan wanted a selfie something i think also a lot of fans are really because one of her biggest songs is about her father yeah and i think a lot of fans are like oh this is so kyoto and it's like yeah her dad's dead um yeah i i think it's still a good song and i think it's an important song for the album i think if i had released a song that was like about how i felt after my like 10 year relationship ended and i was like a wreck then I would feel embarrassed about it as well. Yeah, I think I think she's completely justified in feeling that. I don't that. think I would. I think it's like. And it's quite brave of her to actually release exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, damn sis. <laughs> Whoa, bro. Um, so that came two months after the relationship that was written. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't don't they say that the mourning period for a relationship is often like half of the time the time of the relationship half the length of the relationship so she'll be mourning for like six years mm. wow. but then like obviously not always yeah i had a relationship that wasn't a relationship and it ended after four months and it took me a year and a half oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um should we move on then to family which is sort of similar in length and it was like to be honest i wasn't really expecting it on this album like when she came in and was like you know we are family i've got all my sisters with me i was like it's quite a vibe shift to go for the sister sledge cover but i, I liked it <laughs> um i found this quite at the beginning quite unnerving mm. um and she, there's quite a lot of a severe changes in like tempo a melody and sort of towards the end, you sort of have this like lovely ambient strings, and yeah, it's quite tumultuous. Yeah, she sort of. This one, I thought obviously, if the last one was about her like personal like grief and mourning for the relationship, this one is about her, her sadness about sort of her family blowing Ending, up. Yeah, like well, that their little family unit not yeah. being a thing anymore. And I felt like the sort of pace or like all the changes in it is sort of like a metaphor for like the breaking up of the family and like the disruption yeah there was a bit at 
like it starts off sort of like you said sort of you know like you said what did you say i said it was quite unnerving it starts off quite unnerving and then at like three minutes it's sort of these violins come in that are sort of like rough and like tense and i felt like it just she keeps repeating the word danger and it just has a very it conveys a feeling of sort of stress and worry and she's sort of singing about like how are we going to protect the child I know she's her concern is very much for her child in this song scary that sounds quite rock actually like the violin Oh, let me be clear. <laughs> um, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> My fellow Americans. Um, I think you're grinding. That was. I was going off the the fact that. But anyway, if I explain it, it's not funny. <laughs> Those the girls who get it get it. Um, yeah. I for me, I prefer Black Lake. Um, I think Black Lake is more listenable. Yeah. Um, but I think this one's good too. It is good, and the ending is quite nice. It's almost like, because at the ending it, it does sound less discordant, and it's almost like they found a solution or sort of a compromise to their... A place of solution To their family of... Yeah, family, I think the ending is sort of... Situation. She, she finds, at, at least temporarily, some form of healing and catharsis. Catharsis, yeah. Catharsis. Catharsis. I don't have any more notes. These are all the more notes I have. Um, yeah. Should we move on? Yeah. To not, not, how do you pronounce it? Not Not get? cuts. Not cuts. Yes, yeah, a garden centre. <laughs> Where? In Kent. Oh, lovely. Um, so not cuts. I really like not get. Do I also like it. I really like the beginning. I like, oh, those, it's, I just really like the production on this one. It sounds like after the strings come in, the next string. I think this song sounds very dramatic. Yeah. It just sort of it gives me tension. It gives me danger. Danger. Yeah, the beat the beat sort of represents like anxiety, doesn't it? Like it's. And then some drums come in after a bit, and I think they sound kind of warlike. Yeah, it's, it is almost like a battle song. She um, keeps repeating, love will keep us safe from death. What, what do you think it's about? Let me read through the lyrics. Um, I thought, and this isn't like an official... I think it's sort of like... Um, trying to heal after the relationship, feeling like directionless and aimless because, you know, the sort of comfort... Of the relationship has been snatched away, but realizing that she has to put that aside, and they both have to fight to comfort and look after their daughter. Yeah. I also, f- it, she sort of talks as well about how she sort of needs the pain of the breakup to move on, like she yeah. can't really um, get into like another relationship or get back together in order to sort of deal with it. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it's, I actually really liked this one. It was one of my. It was one of the standouts for me. This was also the last one that she subtitled with like a time period. So this one came eleven months after 
11 months. 11 months. And the rest of the songs don't have a time period attached to them. No. No. I don't know. I don't, I th- actually, maybe I don't have much to say. About not about, about not get. About not get. I like it. I like. I also like it, but I think that's about it. Yeah, I don't think it's that deep. Um. Okay, next up, we've got an interesting one. Um, it's another collaboration with Anoni. Yeah. Um, it's called Atom Dance. I I really loved Atom Dance. I think it's one of the highlights. It's Do all right. Not? I like it. I think it drags on a bit too long, and I also think I was subconsciously comparing it to like the other Björk slash Anoni songs we've heard, which are I See Who You Are. No, no, it's not. It's Dolphame Dolphame of Desire and My Juvenile, Juvenile, which are like two of my favourites. I really, really like both of those. I thought you you didn't like My Juvenile as yeah, much. Yeah, this is why I wanted to favorite. do like a retrospective because it's my most listened to song from Volta. It's such a good song. It's like I really it's a like song. it. I, my favourites from Volta are like of the ones I listed, I would say the only one that's the same as Dolphin of Desire and my other favourites are all completely different. I really like pneumonia. Pneumonia is good. I, I'm also very conscious of it and I do prefer the other two songs to this one. I think this one but this one did feel over long to me. It's it clocks in at about eight minutes and this was the one where I was like, No, come on now. But I sort of liked even though it was more positive and it's connected to the breakup but it's more about her sort of personal healing and anyway should we move on i feel like we've covered that and dance i thought we barely said anything about it what about the lyrics what about what do we think it's about oh i think it's about sort of like the power of friendship and i think that's probably why she got had someone else featuring it too one thing i like i think the song sounds kind of like a waltz or like it sounds like sounds a, like a dance like a dance yeah so the atom atom dance I like the pizzicato, so that was cool. I don't know those. It's when you like pluck the string instead of bow it. I like We Are Each Other's Hemispheres as a lyric. Mm. Like that so because hemispheres, there's normally two. Wow. Uh, okay, now on to mouth mantra. <laughs> I'll I'll be honest. And I, I wrote this down in my notes. At this point of the album, I was getting a bit restless <laughs> and uh, had sort of um, gone through a lot of long songs in a row. Um, yeah, this one is... It's not one of my favourites. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just... Yeah, I agree. By this point in the album, it's like... I've been listening to this album for... For about 50 minutes now. Mm. And then there's another six minute song. Also, is it just me? This song kind of gave me Mouth's Cradle from Medulla. And I don't think it was just the title. It was also just kind of the sound and vibe of the song. And I think it's placement on the album. Was Mouth's Cradle towards the end? Yeah. It was towards the beginning. Mm. No. I. It's the one where she's like. I want a haven away from all the bushes and all the Osama bin Ladens. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, I I just didn't really feel much for this song. It felt like it didn't really fit on the album because it it isn't really about. Um... About the rest of the album, 
Uh, I do. I don't feel like it didn't fit, but I also think it could have been cut, and there wouldn't have been much loss. Well, do you know what it's actually about? So. The lyrics sort of say like, "My throat was stunned. My mouth was sewed up. I wasn't heard." She sort of repeats things to that nature. It sounds like she's sort of saying like she was silent. She wasn't allowed to speak out. Well, she had a polyp on her vocal cords. Really? She had surgery, so and she couldn't like speak for three weeks. Yeah, speak. so it's it's not it's nothing to do with the relationship or oh, the breakup. It's I literally it was more to do with like no, her partner stifling her feelings. No, it's literally about she was on vocal rest for three weeks. So what are the two songs that aren't about the relationship? This one and what else? The next one. But that one so clearly is. But the the ne- the last one, because this one she didn't really explicitly say that it was about the vocal rest, but the last one she the explicitly said. The next one there's said, like a specific the line that ends the song. I feel like there's. I mean, we'll we'll get onto that. Oh, well, I think we're on to right now. Quicksand. Track number nine. Do you want to? Okay, you tell me what you think it's about, and then I'll tell you the official. I think it's about. Well, I, but one thing I feel like there's a lot of callbacks to other Bjork songs on this song. Mm-hmm. Like she says, Black Lake. Like the song Black Lake. Mm-hmm. She says, The steam from this pit, which is. I feel like that has to be a reference to Vertebrae by Vertebrae, mm-hmm. which is one of her best songs. The yoga song. Um, it's not about yoga, it's about a goddess. Um, when she's broken, she is whole. When she's whole, she is broken. Yeah, I feel like that's, like you were saying, she has to accept the pain in order to heal. And if she ignores the pain and, like, pretends that she's whole, she's actually broken. Our mother's philosophy is about, you know, protecting her child. And then at the end, the best line in the song, Mm -hmm. and one of my favourite lines from the album, she says, every time you give up, you take away our future and my continuity and my daughter's and her daughter's and her daughter's, which I think is her saying to her ex-partner, like, you're a prick and fuck you and I'm taking my daughter away and we're better than you and we're gonna heal and I'm breaking the cycle of generational trauma inflicted by lousy men. Okay, well, she actually wrote the song in 2011. No. And it's after her mother had a heart attack that left her in a coma for a week. So the song's actually about her mother and she hasn't really written about her mother before. So it's quite interesting. Who is she saying every time you give up you take away our future? Who is she saying that to? Probably her mother in her coma. Because I I don't think her mother was particularly old. So I think... um, Uh, So that is the official... I mean, I think absolutely... That's as interesting. No, but I think absolutely you can read into it everything that you have. And it does... If you think about it through the lens of the relationship, then it does bring a more natural end to the album. But I think it does. I think there are ways you can think about it in terms of that, and it works better. And it, I feel like, with my interpretation, it just rounds off the whole story quite nicely. They really should have brought you in. Because it's like... sort of like a clean break. Yeah. Also, I, I like the sound of this song. It's sort of like quite electronic. I like that it was short. And it is short. It's three minutes. It's three like a minutes. little denouement more. It has a very abrupt ending as well. It just yeah, sort of what, ends. That's what I like. I yeah. really like... Can I play some of the ending? Because that's my yeah. favourite part. It, it just ends. And then, like, immediately it was going into Fiona, a Fiona Apple song. Just like suddenly ends and then it's 
Just a random other song. Could be Bjork, could be something else. Could be Grimes. Could be... That's what normally auto plays for me. Bjork Rigo, whatever her name is. What, what? So. What if Olivia Rodrigo and Bjork covered each other's song? Which Olivia Rodrigo song would Bjork cover? Driver's License. Really? I think she'd probably go more for... What was the one that had all the issues with, like, Taylor Swift and Paramore? Um, they were different songs. What was it? I thought it was the same. Deja Vu sampled for Summer by Taylor Swift and Good For You interpolated Misery Business by Paramore, but it wasn't credited initially. It was only, like, a few months after. But also, I don't think Paramore were involved. It was just the label because I don't think they would do something like that. And I think they have kind of implied that it wasn't their decision to get the credit. You say whilst wearing your Paramore t-shirt. <laughs> um, but to be fair, the songs do sound oh, very they do similar. Sound very similar. I'm surprised she got away with it for a song she did. I'm surprised they... I'm actually surprised, because I think Paramore are perfectly entitled to call her out about it. I, and I I'm surprised I do, they did it. I don't really care. I don't know, there's only so many things in music. Just let her have her moment. But it was very It's already Paramore's most successful song, so why do they need the money? Yeah. Um, anyway. What about the cover? Um, I like it. I didn't she say that so the cover is a yellow background with Bjork in like a black latex, latex suit. Also the thigh gap, hello. <laughs> and she has like a wound on her chest. Yeah, it, it sort of does look like a, a almost vaginal. Are you kidding? It's yeah. so vaginal. Yeah. It's giving <laughs> it's giving vulva. She's also wearing what looks like a like a scarf and a headpiece made of like the headpiece I think is from is like Is that just like effect or is she actually wearing it? No, that? it is a headpiece. It came from like the biophilia tour and I think she just oh, liked she's it. She's got like red latex gloves as well. Yeah. Like I think it's distinct. She's birthed quite a, cow. a cool cover. It almost looks like she's just been birthed. Because she's sort yeah. of wet and... Also, her face looks kind of creepy. Like, she's giving a kind of, like... She's looking at the camera with a look of, like, startled or, like... She just looks fucking scary. Yeah. I feel like I've sworn more on this episode. You have. You've, you've been in a silly, goofy mood this episode. <laughs> I, I like it. It's fine. I think she said yellow is a healing colour for her. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't see that for yellow, but go off, I guess. I always associate yellow with like cowardice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I really associate. Like, I just don't like that shade of yellow, also. Well, it's sort of a couple different shades, isn't it? Yeah. She has like a ombre and effect in the background. She's been on Photoshop and she's. Yeah, been no, it is. It. There is an ombre effect in the background. I think it's a couple shades of yellow. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then. Overall, what were your favourite songs? Or should I guess? You can guess if you want. I, I think you're going to say... I'm gonna, for this for this album, there's only nine songs, so I'm going to pick a favourite and two runner-up. Okay, I think your favourite is going to be History of Touches. And I think your two runner-ups will be Stone Milker and... Not Get. That is what I was going to say going in, but I might change it. <laughs> Why? Because I got it right. No, because... I've realised that I actually really like Lion Lake. I'm going to say History of Touch is number one. 
and runners and it's very close because I really like stone milker but runners up stone milker and black leg quicksand honorable mention okay I think my fate do you want to guess mine that's going to be very similar. I think your favourite is going to be Stone Milker, and I think your runners up are going to be History of Touches and Addison Bars. Okay, I think my favourite is actually History of Touches. Really? You sold me on it. And that's my so runners good. up will probably be Stone Milker, probably Black Lake, actually. To be honest, I think the four, the, the first four, I think, Pick are three. like. I'll just do History of Touches, Stone Milker, and Black Lake, I think. Although I do That's like Adam Dance. That's so original of you. Oh, wow. What's your least favourite? Mouth Mantra. Yeah, I think I'm... I'm I don't know. I it's agree. Just, it's, not, it's not bad. I just think there's better material on this album. I, to be honest, I don't think it was needed. I think no, it could have been cut. I think it could have been cut and the album still would have been very long. Yeah, and it wasn't even... It's not even really about the relationship or... Or any relationship. No, and I think the relationship thing is like central. Yeah, it's the central central piece of force of this. So did album. we have the same favorites and least favorites? That's gonna be interesting to listen. Well, you had not, you had not get instead of. No, I said black leg. Oh no, you did. <laughs> oh wow, such an interesting episode. I feel like your silly goofy movie makes up for it. Where would you rank this album among other BF albums? I've actually changed my list a bit. Because I've been listening to other albums since. I actually, you know, you made your. Um, I'm gonna need to, to make a ring. Your una- Dan makes various Bjork playlists, and you made a un unappreciated Bjork Club playlist or something. Yeah, and I listened to it. it, and there's quite a lot of posts on it, and I actually realised that I quite like them. So post has gone up a bit in my Wait, estimation. Wait, can I look at some of my playlists? I feel like there's. I, it's not that long. Underrated Bjork. There's one song from Post in it. No, there's two or three, isn't there? No. No, I swear. There's like all the modern things, and then there was um, Isabel, I think. That's just on my other Bjork playlist. Oh, maybe I I was listening to. I have a lot of Bjork playlists. You have like six or something. Um. It's just the modern things. So yeah, my number one is still Vespertine. I think she's gonna be hard to beat. Two, I've actually gone for Homogenic. Because I've gotten into homogenic. I've gotten really into yoga. Three, I have Nadula. So, Nadula has been misplaced, displaced by homogenic. I really have mixed, I have such mixed feelings on Vespertine because I think it, like, it's, the songs that are my favourites on it are just so good. Yeah. But then as a whole, I'm not that arsed. I like, I only really, really like, Not like, frosty. I really like, like, half of it. Whereas homogenic, I really like all of them. I think homogenics has to be your number one. And anyway, so mine would be Vespertine, Homogenic, then Medulla. Number four, I have Volta. Number five, I have Debut. I put Volnicara as number six. That's quite... I'm surprised it's so low, to be honest. Because I liked all the songs. I think there are no... There are only a few standouts for me, and I think the other ones have more standouts. Number seven, I put Post... Although I think it will be going up, maybe, the more I listen to it. And then Biofin is still last. So, Volnikara, 6 out of 8. Middle of the pack for me. But still a very good album. What is your ranking? Oh my, I, it's, I, it's really hard for me to rank Homogenic and Vespertine against each other. I think, I think I'm, I'm going to have to put Homogenic above, just because... 
even though my favorite my favorite films are the best people are like my favorite Bjork songs. Hypogenicus is just better as a whole. I really like Bjork. Why are you making me do this? This is so hard. Well, I think in our <laughs> in our last episode for once we've covered all the um, albums, I think we're gonna have a, a good ranking debate about how we're gonna do that. I re-listened to Medulla recently, so it's been very solidified. My ranking is Homogenic number one. I just think it's such a good all-rounder. Every song is very good. Mm-hmm. Vespertine, some of my favourite stuff. Number two, third, Volta. Yeah. Which is criminally underrated. Then Vonakura. Then Post. Then Debut. Then Medulla. And Bringing Up the Rear by Aquilia. Okay. I still don't see how you have Medulla so far down. It's not very good. It is so good though. It's an excellent album. I really listen to it and I don't like it. Like, I just don't like, just the sound of it. I don't really like the sort of vocal sound. It's just not really for me. <sighs> anyway. And so the final question is, what is your favourite Bjork song of all time? Right now it's probably Cocoon. I'm really into Cocoon. I love Cocoon. Really? Cocoon is like, yeah, my two favourite Bjork songs are probably Cocoon and Heirloom. We can only have one. Which are both in Vespertine. Yeah, it'd be Cocoon. Mine would probably be Pagan Poetry. I've, I've gone back to... That would be in my top five. I've gone back to my... I'm a Pagan You're Poetry girlie. Going back to your roots. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when we finish, when we do our final episode, we'll have our top five Bjork songs, I think. Listen, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you liked this album. Tell you what, we'll, yeah. we're going to put a little... There'll be a question form underneath the episode on Spotify where you can tell us what your favourite Bjork album is. And we might read some of those on the next episode if we get a few responses. I do know that one person who gave us some feedback last time, their favourite was Volnikara. Their favourite was Volnikara? Well, so they, I, we can read out their message. I don't know if they'll enjoy this episode. I, we I, haven't put it as number one. No, but it, yeah, but to be fair, it's Bjork. I put it as number four. You put it as number six. You put it below Medulla. <laughs> Medulla fans, I think, are going to come out to get you one night. Make sure you give us a rating on Spotify or iTunes. goes a long way. Or leave a review if you're on iTunes. We love those. Keep them coming. Yeah. Um, follow us on Instagram, at Bjork Club. Um, the next episode should be send out. Send me your teeth in the post. My address is 42 uh, P. Sherman Wallaby Way, Sydney. Um, only baby teeth, though. Okay, and um, <laughs> we will probably have the next episode out. We'll probably be back to monthly again, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening, and good Bjork. Good Bjork. I can feel it coming in. Welcome to Bjork Club. It's a podcast and a club where we talk of Bjork songs her ears, her clothes, and her gongs. Welcome to Bjork Club.